Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Uh, good morning, Takeover Church. How are we doing? Hey, can you give it up for my man Grant back here on the keys? Just keeping, uh, just holding it down for being so handsome. What a good, way to go, Sydney. You did well. You did well. Oh, man, only one man laughed at that. That's because we all know our place. Isn't that right? Oh, man. Well, hey, happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. How are we doing? You guys loving service so far this morning? Come on. How about King Jesus? Is there anybody grateful for King Jesus in the house? Can we just praise the King of kings and Lord of lords? Praise him like you know it. Praise him like he's rescued you. Praise him like he saved you. I, uh, I was deliberating with the team uh, behind the scenes moments ago, and honestly, I kind of just love, I love how it feels in here with the lights low and how reverent it's just been these last few moments. I feel like this morning has just been surreal how, how powerful and how palpable the, the spirit of the Lord is in the place. Would you agree? So this morning, we're going to, I'm going to preach it like I feel it. Is that all right with you? Man, I, I don't know. Christmas is interesting for me. I've never had a great, uh, I've never had a great affection, let's put it that way, for Christmas because, man, I, my, my spirit is so much of, of, of I just want to push things so far with Jesus, and I just want to take things to the nth degree, and I just want to press upon people just how important Lord Jesus is, and then eventually as I got older, and as I've grown, and as I've pastored my own church for the last four years, we're going to have a four-year-old, or four-birthday, fourth birthday come up in February, come on somebody, let's go, it's going to be a raging good time, but as I've grown as a man, and as a Christian, as a pastor, as a husband, as a friend, I've come to realize that the history behind Christmas, the tradition, the reason the church gathers the way that we do, the reason we do candlelit services, and the reason that we just set apart an intimate, reverent time with the Lord is because it really is all about Jesus. I was fooled for so long into thinking tradition and carols were silly and irrelevant, but friends, they're rich and they're full of great theology, and it was how we conveyed to people the truth of this time of the year. The reason for the season is still Jesus. It will always be Jesus. It's going to remain Jesus, and I am honored and privileged to get on board with what the rest of the church has done for 2,000 years. Amen. So this morning, I want to preach to you a message that I've called True North. True North. Who's ready for the Word of God? Got your Bibles? Who loves their B-I-B-L-E? Anybody in the house? Anybody grow up in Awana? You want to go home? No, I'm just kidding. Shots fired at my Baptist friends. What's up? All right, coming out of Colossians 1, 15 through 23. It's going to be up on the Sky Bible. Hey, yo, give it up for Evan and Mikey in the back, holding it down, making it happen. You guys are amazing. 
We need more help in our AV department, so if you feel inclined by the Holy Spirit or your pastor's conviction, he should join and sign up. Colossians 1, 15 through 23, come on. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether it's thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile himself all things, whether on heaven or on earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body by flesh and his death. In order to present you, you church, me church, in order to present us holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable, steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you've heard, which has been proclaimed in all of creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. We're going to pray one more time, and we're going to see what the Lord will do with that scripture. Sound good? Father God, we just thank you so much for this morning. Father, we just thank you, God, for Christmas. We thank you for the season, God. We thank you for just the richness of your church, God, that we have come up with such brilliant carols and brilliant sacraments and, and brilliant traditions, God, where we just come and we gather around the name of Jesus, God. It's not for the sake of appearing religious. It's not for the sake of appearing holy. It's not to present ourselves better, Father, we just read in your word that you're going to present us pure and holy and blameless and above reproach. It's not up to us to present ourselves that way. Father, what we're doing this morning and what we've done for 2,000 years is we want to gather around your presence. We want to see your presence take over the lives of the people in Grand Rapids, in Wyoming, in Kentwood, in Rockford, Walker, and beyond. Father, this morning we ask that you would begin that mission with us here this morning, with us here today, God. That we wouldn't treat this moment as our last ditch effort to get out of 2021 alive. That we wouldn't treat this moment as a sayonara, see you later to two crazy years in our history of the world, God. But right now we would take this moment, Father God, and we would recognize within ourselves. We would recognize within ourselves our deep need for Lord Jesus. And that because we need Jesus this much, the world that has yet to encounter you must need him more. So, Father God, right now, thank you for being in this place. Holy Spirit, come and have your way. Wreck us, Lord. Change us, Lord. Make us look more like your son, Jesus, so that we can take Christmas with us wherever we go. In Jesus, my name, a faith-filled, militant, holy, out of their minds, church said and screamed at the top of their lungs. Amen. Amen. True North, true north. I already told you I was going to preach it like I feel it, right? Yeah. You guys good with the lights being off? Is this all right with you? Fantastic. Hey, my parents are in church. What's up? 
No stories. Uh, anyways, Jesus is going to present me pure and blameless, and you need to as well, okay? Uh, true north. Now, I, I know, I know, I know, I know. Man, uh, my brother in, in arms here, our incredible next-gen pastor, uh, Charlie, uh, is probably looking at me going, Matt, you did it again, bro. It's Christmas. I thought you were finally going to grow up and share the Christmas story with church. And Charlie, that's what Adrienne did earlier. Because I just, I want to, church. I want to so desperately bad. But unfortunately, I am completely ill-equipped to wear Saul's armor. I am completely ill-equipped to be someone that I'm not. I'm completely ill-equipped to, to be just another, and I don't mean this is a shot across the bow at anybody, but another pastor in a sweater on a Christmas Sunday just going through the motions. For me, this is not just another Sunday where I could just rest on my laurels and understand that it's Christmas. It's about carols and Jesus and Mary and, and all of these things. And I could just give to you some run-of-the-mill, standardized, pasteurized, 2% milk message. I, I don't have it in me. It's not the kind of pastor I am. It's not the kind of ilk that I come from. It's not how God made me to be. So I hope today as we explore what our true north actually is, you'll understand that today is about Jesus, it's about Jesus, it's about Jesus, it's about Jesus, and guess what? It's about Jesus. Because here I am, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm grieved, church. Is it all right to tell you my grievance? Can I tell you that this morning, that I'm grieved, that I'm hurting, that I'm aching, that I've got a desperation on the inside of me going into 2022? I'm so excited for 2022. Who's excited for 2022? I'm excited for 2022, but I got to tell you, church, I'm grieved for 2022. You see, I look at our church community. I look at the church at large. I look at what I see on the dumb thing called Facebook. I see the metaverse. I see Twitter. I see Instagram. I see TikTok. I see just the most silly and divisive tools. I mean, how great is social media when it's used to raise awareness, when it's used to connect people, when it's used to get the gospel out to, to people who are, who are actually stuck at home and not just paralyzed by fear, hello. Like, how good is technology when it actually is fulfilling its probably God-given purposes, but how divisive is it? Especially among the church. I get the world devouring one another. That's what they do because they don't know any better. His name is Jesus. But you and I, we're the church and we know better. We know that in a broken, scared, and dying world, what it needs is a united church. Amen? What this world needs to see is a church that has an undying allegiance to Lord Jesus and not an undying allegiance to a donkey or an elephant. Amen? Because here's the deal. I'm looking at 2022 and I'm excited. But as I look at it, I get worried because I see the church. 
I see you and me, I see myself, I see the things I look at on YouTube and the things I obsess about and what I allow to move my emotions in my, in my life and what I choose to conversate about and how I can think of all these things to talk about except for Jesus. And I look at 2022 and if we're not careful, friends, we will repeat in 2022 all that we've experienced in 2020 and 2021 instead of experiencing what we've never experienced. You see, friends, I think what 2020 did and what 2021 did was it exposed us all. These last two years were an expose hit piece on all of us. Because what 2020 and 2021 did was it shook us to such a place, it rattled us to our core, it shook us till anything that could be shaken would be shaken and that which cannot be shaken would remain. And unfortunately for so many of us, what 2020 and 2021 exposed was what we have all placed as our true norths. Because that's the funny thing about true north. It's the funny thing about truth, isn't it? It's the funny thing about the word true and the word truth and true north is that it's, it's oh, what's that word I'm looking for? It's true. It's truth. But what happened over the last two years has exposed that we've been living by Lie south instead of true north. <laughs> what happened was our beliefs were actually called into question. What happened was we actually were so shaken and shut in and torn up and, and pressured and all of a sudden you could see where our reliance, our supply, where we come from, where we get our real hope and where we get our actual truth and where we get these things. It was all exposed. Because suddenly, over the last two years, we began to live by bad news instead of good news. We began to be moved and driven and impassioned and embittered by fake news instead of good news. You see, what the last two years did, it exposed the fact that for so many of us, our true north has not been Jesus, our true north has been dressed down to emotions. Our true north has been dressed down to feelings. Our true north has been shaken down and dressed up as and got a clown hat on and a big old red nose on it. And our true north started looking like the rest of the world. You see, we're, we're called a peculiar people. Scripture says that we're different. Scripture says that we stand out. Scripture, scripture says that we should actually, we should, we should be of, we should be in the world, but not of the world. And for so many of us, the last two years exposed that we've been more in the world and more of the world than we've ever been called to be. Jeez, man, I was really loving this morning, and then you just... Wow, I was really excited for the new year, and then 
But just because it's Christmas doesn't mean that we're not going to get equipped. Just because it's Christmas doesn't mean that we're not going to tell the truth. And just because it's Christmas doesn't mean that we're not going to go back to what the good book says. You see, church, true north, true north is true. You see, true north, it goes all the way back to creation. True north goes back to when God decided that he was going to begin this world, that he was going to create man in his image, that he was going to start this thing that he could have relationship with, that he could give over authority and dominion to, when he decided he was going to speak the world into existence. It wasn't by happenstance. He didn't just sneeze and it became everything was on purpose with intentionality, and when he set the world on its axis and he began to spin it, when he made the rotation, when he hung the stars, when he put the sun in its place, when he did all of this, you see, he didn't take a, a populist consensus on what true north should be. He didn't call up Politico and say, hey, uh, can you pull 500 people and ask them what direction up should be? He didn't, he didn't ask us our opinion on anything. In fact, what he did was he set the world in motion. He set it on its axis, and he set something called true north that isn't determined by our opinions of what north is. It's the truth of what God says it is, and it's because truth will always lead you back to reality. Truth will always lead you in the direction you're called to go. Truth will always call you back home. True north is that the world is set on such an axis in such a way that you could be anywhere on this globe. And you can find your way home. And you see, for the church, Jesus Jesus, Jesus is supposed to be our true north. You see, in the world of which we live right now, I'm worried because we could very easily leave here today gathering around the name of Jesus, but not living lives that are set on Jesus. We could very easily leave here today having celebrated the Lord Jesus and leave here and not have our lives revolve around Lord Jesus. We could very easily gather here today, do the Christmas things, have the candles, have the communion, do it all. We could have every tradition under the sun known to man made by the church. We could do it all. And yet we can leave here today with our true north governed by lesser things. You see, friends, today it's my heart and my cry that we would once again make Jesus Christ our true north. It's my heart and my plea with you, our church, you, my peers, you, my friends, you, my family, friends. It is my heart's cry to myself this morning that I would begin again to recognize that there is only one bright and morning star. I don't have to be misled by the signs of the times. I can be led home by the bright and morning star. 
His name is Jesus. Friends, our true north cannot be predicated upon populist consensus or man-made opinion. It has to be higher than that. If truth is just whatever we say it is, well, I'm going to be fallible. I'm going to be fallible. I'm going to change. I'm going to fail you. Don't put your hope in Matt McClure. I will let you down. Don't put your hope in Joe Biden. He will let you down. Don't put your hope in any other man. We put our hope in someone who was both man and God at the same time, and his name is what? Jesus. See, he was fully man and fully God because he had to show us what it looked like, what it could be like, what we were missing but we were desperately crawling around in the dark trying to achieve on our own but could really only be found in light of a relationship with our Father. You see, in this portion of Scripture that we just read, it's the Apostle Paul, and quickly, if you know about Paul, Paul is the man. He's one of my favorite uh, authors and writers and apostles in, in the Bible. And you see, Paul... Paul wasn't always Paul. For, for those of you who may not know, he used to go by the name Saul. And when he was Saul, he was actually this high Jewish order, like mercenary, basically. He was literally employed by Jewish law at the time to go find followers of the way, a.k.a. you and me, Jesus followers, Christians, go and find us, pull us out of our homes, pull us out of the alleys, pull us out of wherever you're hiding, Beat us, flog us, stone us, and martyr us to death in public square. That's what Paul did. And then Paul has a radical encounter with Jesus. And suddenly Paul is so shaken by what he believed to have been his true north until he ran into an actual true north. And what was... What was leading him to live a life on a very high horse, his true north, knocked him down off his horse and onto his butt and put scales on his eyes and led him on a journey of which he would then come to know Lord Jesus. You see, then what Paul would do is this. Instead of murdering Christians, he would lead Christians. And here we go. He's in Colossians. And, and here's the amazing thing. He's talking to the Colossian church. If you don't know where that is, it's kind of right outside of Turkey. In modern-day Turkey, this is where Ephesus was. It's that, it's that Asia Minor area in the world, so kind of Eastern European. Does that make sense? Is everybody tracking? So here are the people that Paul is writing to in this moment. And what Paul does is he is doing the exact same thing that I am telling you today. This is Lord Jesus. And so Paul starts off in this verse, and he says... He is the visible image of the invisible God. And the reason we need to hang out there for a second is because this has been something that if this is not our true north, will continue to fool us, harm us, and break us and throw our world into chaos just as it did with Adam and Eve in the beginning. You see, friends, right now we live in a very polarizing time, but friends, it's always been polarizing. The world is just smaller and more connected than it's ever been. 
it is polarizing, it is wild, it is scary, and there is a lot of things being thrown around as truth when they're certainly not. And it all comes back to this moment in the Garden of Eden where there was a serpent, his name is Devil, his name is Beelzebub, his name is Satan. He sucks. <laughs> I said Satan sucks. He does. And Satan sucks because in the moment where we had perfect harmony and perfect relationship and perfect everything with God, he asked Eve this question, and unfortunately Eve, Eve in this moment, I believe, made Adam her true north rather than God her true north because she was catching secondhand revelation from her husband instead of having a relationship with God the Father herself. Because here's the deal. Adam was never positioned with the question from the enemy. Satan knew. I'm not going to go to Adam and ask him. I'm going to ask the new one. I'm going to ask the second one. I'm going to ask the helper. And so he says to her this question that I believe is asking our generation. I believe is asking us. I believe our doubts have said it. I believe our world is saying it. I believe the enemy moves around like a, pro, uh, like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour and he is questioning a generation right now and he is going, did God really say? Same question he asked Eve in the garden, did God really say? And because Eve was living off secondhand revelation from her husband Adam, you and I, we cannot afford to live off secondhand revelation from a previous generation. We have got to get this ourselves because when that question comes, and it surely will if it has not already, when the devil visits your house, when he visits your home, when healing is needed, when sickness comes, when death happens, when marriage is being broken up, when cheating happens, when adultery happens, when all of these things come, and the devil goes, did God really say? We hit him with our true north and we say Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. He is who he is. He is who God says he is. He has what God says he has. He can do what God says he can do. He can restore. He can redeem. He can bring revival. He can resurrect. He can do anything. Did God really say, yeah, and Jesus really lived it? Hit the streets. You see, friends, if we don't understand who our true north is, what our true north is, if this is not how we navigate this life, if Jesus isn't just the anchor, but he's also the compass, if he does not remain our home, our beginning, middle, and ending, if he's not where we lay our head, if he's not where we wake up, if he's not whom we're going home to after a day of work and questioning where we're tired and lethargic and we're open and we are vulnerable, if Jesus isn't what is leading us, we will be led by everything else. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. So then Paul says next is, is absolutely amazing because as Christians, if we do not understand this, 
if we do not remain committed to this, we will, it doesn't matter how long you try, it doesn't matter how great of a church you belong to, it doesn't matter how good the preaching is or is not, it does not matter the worship, if it's your style or not, it doesn't matter where you go and where you find yourself, if you do not understand this, you will always replace Jesus as your true north. Paul declares Jesus is the firstborn among the dead so that he might be preeminent. Firstborn among the dead so that he might be preeminent. Let's hang out there for a second. Reason it said firstborn among the dead. Friends, are you ready for this? I'm trying to help you out this morning. I'm trying to believe that if we get this down, we will live out 2022 in so much more freedom than we ever experienced in 2020 and 2021. Are you ready? Because here's the deal. Firstborn among the dead. Friends, Jesus himself has said it from literally Sermon on the Mount, okay? He was mountaintop. If you want to find your life, you must lose your life. You see, friends, the reason we have not been able to make Jesus Christ preeminent in our lives, which means first and foremost, which means everything else is not even just second, third, 14th, or 112, it is dead. Jesus will never be preeminent in our lives if we're not willing to die. Matt, this is supposed to be Christmas. What are you talking about, friends? The good news of Jesus being born in a manger would be bad news if on Easter there wasn't an empty tomb. Can I say that again? The good news of Jesus being born in a manger on Christmas would be bad news if Jesus didn't leave an empty tomb on Easter, amen? Want to know why? Because if he never died, then he wasn't the Messiah, then he wasn't our resurrection, then he wasn't the image of God, then he wasn't who he said he is. You see, Jesus, he's not just a wise sage, he's not just the best philosopher, he's not just the guy with the best book or the oldest book or the most words in it, he's not the guy who was the most educated, he's not, you know, Freud or Nietzsche or any of these other idiots like myself out here, okay? He's not, he's God. He's God. And so, friends, if we don't understand that Jesus was firstborn among the dead, he understood it. If we want to live our lives, we must lose our lives, just as if Jesus wanted us to live our lives, he had to lose his life. You see, friends, you will experience, let me put it this way, the level of freedom you experience in this life will directly relate to the amount of preeminence Jesus has in your life. To the amount of which you are dead is the amount of which you'll be free. The amount of which you are dead is the amount of which you'll be free because, my friends, how many of you know so often Jesus isn't preeminent in our desires because we're still living our desires? How many of you know Jesus isn't preeminent in our policies, in our political realm? Because we still have thoughts and ideas and notions of how things should go. How many of you know Jesus isn't preeminent in our marriage because we're still bringing in the baggage of what we saw growing up in our parents' marriage? How many of you know, again, friends, 
Jesus isn't preeminent in our finances because our desires and our wants of what we want to buy and how we want to swag out is still alive and active. In any area, this, this works. Understand. Your thought life, what rules and runs you, what causes you to go into depression, what causes you to drink, what causes you to smoke, what causes you to do drugs, what causes you to self-medicate and inebriate and try to numb yourself to the realities of which you've experienced in your life, these things, as long as they're still living, Jesus cannot be preeminent in them. And if Jesus cannot be preeminent in them, you will not experience freedom within them. Friends, he's the firstborn among the dead so that he might be preeminent. Shout out to all the moms and dads and you're holding it down with the wee ones. I love it. I love it. I really do. It wouldn't be the church if there wasn't little babies running around. Come on. Firstborn among the dead so that he might be preeminent. You see, friends, we live in a time and a place where we all want to be put first. We all want to go first. We all want to get there first. We all want the arrival. We all want to pass the finish line. We all want the acknowledgement. We want the limelight. The wild thing about Jesus is that you'll never come in second when you put God first. As bumper sticker Christianity as that might be, you never come in second when you put God first. There's a reason this is in here for you. And it's because when we go into 2022, friends, I believe the world is primed for an awakening in the church. I believe right now the world is primed, okay? It is ready to burst at the seams. Friends, there is an old wineskin that needs to be shed so that revival can be had in 2022, but we will never assist it, we will never see it, and we will never experience it if we're not willing to die to ourselves to have it. I don't know what kind of revival or awakening you need in your life, but I know what kind of revival and awakening our world needs today. And it will never come if the church isn't willing to make Jesus first. What a wild concept, by the way. A church not having Jesus be first. Unfortunately, we live in a day and age where that's way too true and way too common. But I believe one of the reasons, one of the reasons that Jesus isn't preeminent in the church is because he's not preeminent in the Christian. He's not preeminent in the church because he's not preeminent in the Christian. And I believe it's because of what Paul says next. He says, all things were created in him and for him. He holds it all together. Friends, the reason we have a hard time making Jesus preeminent in our lives is because we are busy trying to mitigate disaster by holding it all together ourselves. Friends, I am here to proclaim to you today, Jesus Christ, the reason we're here in this building is not to hear Matt speak, it's not for worship here, it's not because the lights and the candles and the bread, or because Lori killed the cafe this morning. Come on, get up for Lori. Lori! I call, her, I call her Lori with the glory. That's what I call her. You know what I'm saying? See her coming, Lori with the glory. Look at all that. 
But the reason Jesus Christ is the most important thing is because, friends, let me tell you this. You will struggle, you will toil, and you will continually attempt to make your best efforts to hold your life together when you were never designed to. Friends, so many of us, the reason Jesus isn't preeminent is because we don't really trust Jesus. We don't put him first. We're unwilling to die to ourselves because we think at the end of the day, ourselves are the only ones that we can really rely on. You can't even make yourself. What are you talking about? Are you kidding me? You can't even make it to the finish line of marriage on your own. You can't achieve your next breath on your own. That had to be put into motion by someone else. Are you kidding me? My heart doesn't even beat because I tell it to. It beats because it was spoken to. Friends, Jesus holds it all together. And how many of you know if he's able to hold the world together, he's able to hold the church together. I know going into 2022, I don't got to worry about what's going on in the greater body of Christ. I don't got to look at the division on Twitter and all these people taking dumb pot shots at at each other. It's about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. If you believe the gifts of healing are for today or you don't, you know what? We can come together on the name of Jesus. And then when you get sick, I'm going to come pray for you, okay? Like that's what we're called to do. So if he can hold the world together, well, then he can for sure hold the church together. And if he can hold the church together, how many of you know he can hold you together? So often we will live this life. This is the good news of Christmas, by the way. This is the good news of Christmas, by the way. God didn't have to send Jesus. God didn't have to come for you. God didn't have to make a way where there was no way. We could have kept shedding blood of innocent animals. We could have kept doing what we were doing, but instead, he sent Jesus. Because he wants to hold it all together, friends, When you feel like the bottom is giving out in your life, you can actually rest. When you feel like the bottom is going out in your life, you can actually rest. He's called the Prince of Peace, the bright and morning star. The government shall be on his shoulders. Friends, when it's all falling apart, the crumbles of your life are firmly in the palm of the hand of Jesus. The crumbles of our government are firmly upon the shoulders of Jesus. We are living in such a time where the world is being forced to put the weight of government and mandates and all these things on our shoulders. Our shoulders are not big enough to carry it. So kill the bad news, kill the fake news, get with the good news and let Jesus shoulder it all for you. Don't live and die by some three-letter news network that is only interested in fear-mongering on both sides. There's a true north. There's a true news. And he's the only one capable of holding it all together. Worship team, you can make your way up here as we get ready to close. I loved all the extra stuff today in service and I love how powerful and incredible this morning's been. I'm so grateful that you've been here this morning. But as I'm reading these words of Paul, verse 19, he says, For in him all the fullness of God 
was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. You see, friends, the fullness that you and I seek, the fullness that we've been robbed of, that we've been broken in. You see, ever since we were born, ever since we were created, ever since we were taken from the mud, you and I, we have had a deep, deep, deep deficit, void. We've been missing the fullness that only Christ can offer. And we've tried to fill it with our best efforts, haven't we? We've tried it. We've tried the marriage, and when that marriage didn't work, we tried another marriage. And when that marriage didn't work, we tried another marriage. And, and we tried sex, and when sex didn't work, we tried another sexual partner. And when that sexual partner didn't work, we tried another sexual partner. I'm sorry if it's too much for Christmas Sunday, but we're real here. And when the sex didn't work, then we tried the drugs because we needed to be numbed from all the decisions that we just made and the nights that we spent with other people and maybe the days we have tried. We've tried every bottle. We've tried every body. We've tried every church. And we've tried every 12-step program. And we've tried it all. You see, friends, I love 12-step programs. 12-step programs have done a lot for my family, for my life, for people we interact with, for people within our church. 12-step programs are great. But you see, behavior modification is only as good as the person who's trying to behave well can keep up with it. Because it's so often, it's so much easier to give in to our behaviors than to continue to work on them. Friends, fullness is never going to be found in your behavior, good, bad, or otherwise. Fullness is only going to be found in the transformation that comes with Jesus Christ. Real fullness, real change, real freedom, real I don't need another drink, I don't need another hit, I don't need another woman, I don't need another man. I am complete all unto not myself but unto Christ. That's another lie that's plaguing our generation that you could be fine all unto yourself. You don't need a man. You don't need a woman. No, 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 friends. You need a God man. His name is Jesus. So this morning as I invite you to stand up and we sing a song called So Will I. I want to invite you into a moment of making Jesus preeminent in your life. You see, friends, we live in a time and a place where all of society, all of culture is crying out loud about their sin. I hear the church being very quiet about our Christ, and yet Paul just wrote to the Colossians, all creation cries out about its Savior. You can stand. We're going to sing this 
song, So Will I. And we're going to take the position of a rock. We're going to take the position of the deer. We're going to take the position of a dove. We're going to take the position of a valley. We're going to take the position of a mountain. We're going to take the position of a tree. We're going to take the position of a lion. We're going to take the position of all of creation. And we're not going to leave. We're not going to leave the job of proclaiming the good news of our Savior, Lord Jesus. We're not going to leave it to nature. We're not going to leave it to the mountains. We're not going to leave it to the goats. We're not going to leave it to the plants and the ficuses. We, we're going to make Christ preeminent in our lives today. Because friends, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. I believe the Lord has so much, so much in store for his bride, for his body, for his church. I believe a revival is going to happen in 2022. And I refuse to not allow, to not let us be a part of it. I want the Lord to do it here. I want the Lord to fill this house. I want the Lord to do it on Roger B. Chaffee. I want to see this city being taken over by his presence. But if we're quiet about our Savior, if he's not preeminent in our lives, if we're not living freedom, how is anyone ever going to taste and see that the Lord is good if we're not willing to show and tell? So this morning, as the worship team begins to sing, as we go into the song, so will I, so will you, so will I, so shall we. Don't leave it to your neighbor to sing this song. Don't leave it for a person closer to sing this song. If you've never heard this song, you read it off the screen because the word of God says that he inhabits and he rides in on the praises of his people. And if you want to see God answer some prayers in your life right now, if you want to see him restart a revival in your marriage right now, if you want to see him set you free from an addiction right now, then you start singing, you start proclaiming, and you watch as God inhabits those areas in your life. In Jesus' mighty name, we're going to sing, so will I. Amen? Come on. If the stars were made to worship, so will I.